Oh, welcome back, Danny. Hi, Hi Danny. welcome back. I'm back. I'm You've bad. I'm sick. nationwide. I was off sick. Yeah, thank you, fillers, for filling in for me. <laughs> <laughs> Which STD was it this time? Oh, no, it wasn't. Do you know, it was just a flu. I was so... T- it's really weird, though. It's the first time I've had the flu where it's not like coffee, coffee, sneezy, sneezy. Mm-hmm. I was just unable to move. I was so achy and so exhausted. It was disgusting that um, I'm back on top form now. For our um, World AIDS Day special. Yeah. yeah. And our are. guest is uh, Mr. Gay England and HIV activist Phil <laughs> Come on, Phil, say the name. Dzwonkovic. Where's that from? It's Polish. Polish. My tits are Polish. I'm quarter Polish. Fabulous. (laughs) (laughs) You're more Polish than me. (laughs) I just got the name. (laughs) (laughs) Where do you get your, um, like, your melanin from? Because you've got, like, a bit of something in you, haven't you? The tanning shop in Covent Garden. No, it's not. Um, That's (laughs) where it it used to. No, I haven't. I have I wanted you a sunbed. Sorry. I've always thought you were like a little bit biracial in some way. Um, I think I am. I've not done a test or anything, but I pretty much everybody that I've worked with that is of an ethnic minority has gone, you look like someone I'm related to. Yeah. I had a uh, Filipino guy that I worked on ships with many years ago. He was like, you look more like my brother than my brother does. <laughs> so it's, it's uh, what do we call it? A casting uh, racially ambiguous. I'd never say yeah. Filipino. Do you know what? I know someone who is very similar to you. Like, how tall are you? Six foot. Yeah, he's, he's quite tall as well. And he's got a similar shade of skin. And you guys actually look kind of similar. And he's part Filipino. Yeah. So I can see that. Just, yeah. I'd go like a Wide lot of Middle Eastern even. Yeah, I get that a lot as yeah. well. Yeah. You're listening to Cocktails and Confessions. Um, so why don't you start by telling us a bit about the Mr. England competition. Is it like Miss Congeniality? Is there like a swimsuit section? Do you have to talk about world peace? Aww. Oh, world peace. <laughs> um, so if anyone is uh, familiar with the Mr. Gay UK concept, which was uh, many, many moons ago. And is that, it not, was, is that not a thing anymore? N- no, so basically. <laughs> Snap. <laughs> yeah, so um, it was running clubs uh, where we all came from. Um, and it was a beauty pageant. And it was basically the guy that owned the brand. He um, basically went for very chiseled guys. And then they ended up modeling for various subjects that he had or things he had going on. Um, so it was just a pervy, a, a, like a, a pervy promoter. Yeah, like Miss, Miss Wild or Miss America. Or like Glyn Fussell. <laughs> 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 Perfect. Uh, um, so basically, the concept in Europe and the world actually is that a Mr. Gay is an advocate, is a spokesperson, is someone who uh, can be the voice of a various marginalized community or um, they see something in the community that isn't right, not isn't right, but they want to change or feel that is needs a change and they're the person that sticks up. Like Mr. Gay Brussels is, is um, endorsed by the Prime Minister oh, and wow. he has an entourage of like 12, 15 people. Oh my people. God, please don't tell me you're induced, uh, endorsed by Boris Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> no. no. Um, so unfortunately, but entourage though, that's so bougie for a for Mr. For, yeah, so this a Mr. Is, Gay competition. So that's the thing, like, whereas here we... If you say you're a, a Mr. Gay England or Scotland or Wales, they go, what, a UK? 
because it has that legacy. But mm-hmm. uh, in 2016, the the brand was sold um, to Mr. Gay Europe and they wanted to bring it within the fold and start being a, a subject for advocacy and change. Amazing. So, so are they like, are there literally like rounds? What are the rounds? Yeah, what do you have so, to do? So um, it's all changing this year because um, this, well, in PC. 2020, <laughs> in 2020, because uh, technically I'm still reigning because they didn't crown one this year. So you're so, Mr. Gay England 2018 18, officially. and 19, really. Yeah. So yeah. two year reign. Oh my God, yeah. so potentially the only ever contestant that has reigned for two years. Yeah. Good for you. Oh my God, breaking records accidentally. Yeah, accidentally (laughs) by default, but still. Would you have run again? Can you run two years running? I wouldn't because um, everything everything that I've done last year and this year has been somewhat of a break and it's a bit of a rebrand and a bit of a reinvigoration. Mr. Gay Europe is coming to uh, Newcastle in 2020. Oh God. Of all of the towns. Of all of the places to go, you've got to Newcastle. Do you know what? I absolutely, well, A, I love the bloody accent. It's like, oh, I love it. (laughs) I have done for a very long time. And when we did the Pride circuit last year, um, I absolutely love it. Like Newcastle is amazing, and my first boyfriend was Geordie. I just oh, wouldn't say Geordie. it's like a gay hub. That's oh, all. Oh my so, god! No, it actually. Oh my is. god! Yeah, it totally is. I spoke, I've been to Newcastle Pride. There's that club powerhouse. I spoke oh, to um, some really young trans kids um, that were at the front of it because obviously we uh, 2018 we had the the rigmarole with the London Pride with the uh was no oh, the turfs. yes yeah, yeah, yeah so then every pride we went to there was always a very uh prevalent trans visibility yeah but i was we were stood next to um quite a few young trans kids mm-hmm. that were that are trying to um push the agenda of actually you're you're coming to this too late you're not listening to us as trans children or trans individuals that know, for, like you say yourself, you knew at a very early age. Mm. And I so love I think, that like trans children that are that young have so much of a voice these days. Oh, it's wild. It's yeah. madness. It's, it, it's just the generation thing. It's like, well, okay, mm. if you can mm. turn around, I'm having these kind of conversations all the time. It's like, well, there's a middle ground. It's not just this way or that way. Mm. And just because it has been for so long doesn't mean it's going to be like this forever. Everything is transient. Um, as apt as that sounds <laughs> um, so it's about having those conversations and going okay well this isn't an attack on you in any way it's about us taking a, a stance and a stake in where we are sure. and being able to do that and to speaking to these kids it was like incredible because they're so articulate mm. and if you speak from, an, from a lived experience mm. you can't really go wrong because sure. it's your journey like you say, well, this is my journey. Your journey is very different. When you came out, it's a very different story to when I came out. Yeah. Um, I'm a lot older. Um, <laughs> so things were different back then. But, you know, everyone's journey, we all have these kind of, we forget that we have this these this commonality. Right. We really forget that because sure. we get uh, misdirected by various outer bodies uh, trying to blame other people and minorities and shifting the blame. So we kind of forget to connect. Sure. So when you say that w- with regards to like the competition and everything that people were trying to who want to change things perspective, was that always in the back of your mind that that's what you wanted to do? If you 
gained that platform that you wanted to be outspoken about HIV and no. HIV awareness? Which, no. Uh, which, no. Which came first? Was the, did the competition, did you factor in HIV awareness into your competition no. running? That's literally what I just said. Sorry. I, I, <laughs> which, was... which, I was, which came first? Sorry. <laughs> the chicken of the egg. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> which came the first? The HIV or the competition? Yeah, like... the chicken or the egg. <laughs> so um, I, I didn't want to do it. I was... Basically, um, the m- movement away from it being a beauty-based thing and mm. move towards actual advocacy. The applicants were very, um, for want of a, le- uh, what's a better word, thirsty. They just wanted Instagram followers. They just wanted mm. pictures and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, okay, the only way we, we can move away from the legacy of Mr. Gay UK is to go, okay, we are making a clear stance. We want to make a difference. Johnny, who in 2016 <clears throat> raised awareness Johnny for... Johnny Woo? No. Oh. <laughs> the know. only Johnny. Um, <laughs> I think we would have known if Johnny Woo was Mr. Mr. Gay English. England. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, Johnny Val- Valdaris. He's going to kill me if I've said that wrong. Um, but he raised awareness of suicide within young men. Okay. Um, so his father committed suicide. So it was a very, again, lived experience. Mm. Um, Matt Rude in 2017. I remember him. Yep. So Matt, um, and he, Matt won Mr. Gay Europe. Um, Matt raised awareness around fostering rights for gay, gay individuals um, because he himself was a foster parent and uh, knew, again, lived experience, knew all the pitfalls and the hoops that you had to jump through just for being who you are and who you love and there are so many kids out there that need homes and families and stuff so um yeah i was uh, asked would you do it and i said absolutely not i don't want anybody coming into my personal life i don't want all this mm. you know you know how the gay scene can be and i've not been on the gay scene for a very long time um but a lot of the those kind of stories that come out and how malicious people can be um, to try and you know tear you down, so I was like, no, I'm not interested. Sure. So um, that kind of went on for a little while. I just left it, and I went. I went to Grand Can actually for Grand Can Pride, and uh, the day I got back, I got a call, and they were like, "Do you can we? Do you want to do this?" And I called my two best mates. And I was like, "Right, this is a shtick. Do you think I should? I can do this?" So I put an application form in. Initially, the idea was the fact because of my burlesque and theatre performance aspect of my life would make me stand out and the fact that, you know, I'm not overly shy and all these kind of things. But as I was talking to the interv- through the interview process, because I'd been helping friends and friends of friends within Soho come to terms with their diagnosis um, or through social media, especially since social media has come around, um, for about eight years, mm. but I'd, I'd gone in and out of the closet myself, having worked the door at Shadow and knowing how people could be and judging you and you have a kind of, people just think it's their power over you. So yeah. it was- it they was take a, ownership over who you are as a person because they know something so- Something, yeah. yeah. And you're talking right now about your status, yes. right? Yes, okay. so I went in and out of the closet, the closet, the proverbial closet about my status yeah. um, for a long time because initially I was a theatre performer and I didn't want casting directors to um, find out. So 12 years ago, um, it was very different. Were you diagnosed that long ago? Yeah. 
Because well, mm. as long as I've known you, you've been yeah. quite... A, but that's, I think, only about seven years. Yeah. And um, I didn't realise it was that long ago that yeah. you were diagnosed. Bam. Yeah, it was 2007, wasn't it? Yeah. So yeah. Um, at the November 26th, I think. 26th, yeah. Uh, so... Just gone Monday. Just gone. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god! Wow. Yeah. So it's all kind. Like it's, it's all really full circle because yeah. I did a presentation about HIV awareness uh, on Monday, and then a year ago we did the documentary uh, today. Has it been emotional for you this week? Um, no. No. Because it's, I don't know. It's almost like an out of body experience sometimes. Yeah. And people, when they see the documentary, and especially if I'm there when they see it. Like, oh my God, you're so brave. I'm like, well, no, I'm not because I've just, I've just got a big mouth. Yeah. And also I don't care what people talk about me and I can let them send hate to me online and, blah, and I just let it roll off because I've been a performer and I've got no's and I've got mm. that kind of um, the reduction of self. I've had my entire career because of something that you can't change. Mm. Whereas someone who hasn't had that experience could find it quite difficult. So, and I find that with the hate online, they end up showing themselves up anyway. Do you, have you seen a marked improvement over the last couple of years? Because I feel like from the outside looking in, um, I've got I've got so many positive friends, yeah. um, and I feel like things really changed about two three years ago, and now all of a sudden people are like. Hey yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And almost the perception amongst the, the gay community that I run in, obviously it's, it's such a separate yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. The gay community that I run in is like almost viewed now as like diabetes, almost. Like it's just like an underlying thing that we're medicated and we're getting on with. And also there's a, there's a whole new thing happening. Like I'm on PrEP. I am. Mm. And there's a whole like PrEP You thing. are? Yeah, I'm on PrEP. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm on, I'm on the trial. Um, so there's like a whole new age of people that are being like, hey, HIV is not such a big deal. I'm protected. You're protected. We're all fine. Yeah. So it, for, I'm so obsessed with language now. Sure. Because before I, you know, I've got a really dark sense of humor and I would play playing off um, things that can be somewhat offensive or somewhat awkward for people through, Hi. Po- through, <laughs> through comedy. It's, it's a great tool. That's me. And you know, I do it with burlesque. I've done it in my entire life. But then it wasn't until I went to Mr. Gay England and then Mr. Gay Europe that I had found out through my friends that actually my dark sense of humor and the way I deal or dealt with it and the language that I was using was actually having a negative impact on them. Because as well, when you've got such a gobby mate who's quite comfortable with having HIV that is a lot further down the line than you, yeah. There's then that added pressure sometimes of like, well, he feels doing all right. Well, why aren't I? And it's like, okay, yeah, like a comparison. Yeah, yeah, and it's never about that. And it's taken a long time for me to talk to certain friends and go, or even people that message me online and go, but you're so comfortable with it. I'm like, but it's taken me 12 years. Yeah. And I've been in and out of that closet so many times. And it's a really long time to have it. Yeah. Mm. And things, so I really noticed the change about, um, so Instagram's been here like what six years or seven? Um, I would say seven or eight. Yeah. yeah, I think it was just kicking off as I moved to Atlanta, which is about seven and a half years. Yeah, ago. so it as, as soon as because it was rumbling and then it started to get um, started to gain prowess and whatever, and it was um, through mainly Instagram, Twitter, 
Facebook a little bit that people were stepping out. And I remember going on a date. So the proponent of the uh, documentary was... So when we when you say the documentary, you're talking about the Just, just like, like Me. Yeah. Right? So, so guys, if you haven't seen this documentary, it's, it's really short. It's about 14 minutes long. You have to Google it and check it out. Um, I watched it earlier this week. I'm yeah. not even going to lie. I was weeping. Yeah, I watched it in my office today and, it, yeah, it's harrowing. It's so, but it's but so it's touching not, and moving. Yeah. Pretty people it's, love Danny. It's gorgeous. Yeah, no, it's and, everything. And, it's, and, there's so and, many emotions. And cinematically as well. It's, yeah. it's, it's shot beautifully and it's really, really That's gorgeous. why it's won awards, honey. Yeah. yeah. It's gorgeous. <laughs> it's absolutely gorgeous. I was, I was really surprised by it. I was. to you that I, that I, that I'd never seen before, which is, I suppose, uh, weirdly, weirdly, actually. So we had the screening at BAFTA last year, which was the most incredible. It literally was a year today. It was the most surreal moment because I, ha- I wasn't the director. Sam didn't let me see any of it. So we started filming and it, the documentary changed ideas um, over the time we'd started filming because um, we couldn't get Initially, it was go- they were going to come to Mr. Gay Europe in Poland and follow me around and see the outcome of that. But then we couldn't get um, licenses and whatnot, so it took on a different different um, aspect. So I'd be filming things kind of out of context. And s- he has this great way of kind of, thinking, okay, right. And the first time we ever spoke, we spent three and a bit hours on the phone together because um, my best friend's the producer. And he was like, I've got this amazing director that I've worked with. I've given him your number. He's going to call you. So literally three hours, He we talked about everything. And um, he's got such a great eye for stuff. And he's uh, he's so inclusive. And he's, you know, such an amazing person. Mm. And, you know, cinematically that comes across. But also the way that he can cut through. Because I can ramble a little bit. Um, <laughs> but, you know, to what actually is going to cut makes sense to somebody because right. it's not just about me being a cisgender white male that's talking about HIV which it is you know it also has to translate to a wider audience that don't exactly. necessarily know the same terminology right yeah. Yeah. yeah and also and also fa- translate to people that are not positive as well and so that they not can exactly. understand not positive not gay not yeah. white yeah. not British yeah. totally you yeah know, it needs to translate wider and yeah. it actually I'm the reason that I'm so proud of it is because it actually does all the thi- all those things and even though throughout it it is about the fact that, you know, I was annoyed about the fact that t- 11 years in the making, people were still thinking they're going to die of HIV. Like when I got diagnosed, I, that's what I thought. So I was annoyed that everyone's thinking about this because it gets swept under the carpet. Mm. So that was the reasoning behind it. But it's not the overriding reason. HIV, I don't wake up and go, oh, HIV. Well, I mean, that- 2007 also is is really not that long after it was a death sentence. I mean, I was, like, I can only remember, like, coming to, coming of age as, like, queer youth. I mean, I I'd, I was leaving school 2007-ish time. And, and you, oh, sorry, I'm sorry, honey. God. Um, but, like, I, I remember the view even back then, and then you look at the documentaries surrounding that time, and you were still seeing these sort of, like, harrowing image of very thin, frail people. And mm-hmm. and it was completely different then than mm. it is now. The So when I, when I say to people, like, in 2007, so I, you, I had to wait for the diagnosis. 
So I got the text message to say... I'm already, so can we just talk about this? Because this is what I wanted to ask you about. Because this is in the first few seconds of the documentary. Yeah. And when I watched this, oh, I just got goosebumps. Mm -hmm. Tell us about the text. So, uh, yeah, I was seeing a guy. Um, we lived quite near each other. Um, and things got intense. We weren't... We weren't... We were fuck buddies. Okay, sure. yeah. Um, but we never had the kind of conversation that we weren't fucking other people. Um, it wasn't so... I don't know. We, we didn't even think about... I don't know. We didn't even think about HIV. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It was just as uh, Pep was coming out because I remember like after the text message, which I'll get to, th the posters, which were fire fire extinguishers, were everywhere and it had HIV on it. And I was just like, every time, every time I saw one, I'd just avert my gaze. So yeah, things broke down with me and him. Um, it got very toxic and it got very awkward and nasty. Um, for both of us, I was. This is before, though, right? Yeah, so we were, we were dating, and then it kind of all broke down, and then we didn't speak for a very long time. Well, well for a few, several, many months, um, and then I got a text message. I remember being in theatre. I don't know what show it was. I remember it being terrible. I think it was like um, some twenties beautiful, uh, beautiful and the damned comes to mind, but. Uh, details sounds awful yeah i mean i think i walked out probably because of that text message um but you're the, speaking to two people whose theatrical experience reaches to the lion king and phantom of the opera space <laughs> I've, I've still never seen phantoms so. i haven't either i haven't no. and i've only lion seen lion king in german i've seen i've seen wicked four times oh babe that's fine <laughs> oh okay i've seen wicked once that's uh, as gay as i get when it comes to theater yeah. <laughs> anyway carry on um yeah so yeah, I got a text that said, uh, I'm HIV positive and now so are you. Is that, but that, that, is that word for word? Yeah. That sounds awful. That sounds like he planned it. No, yeah. But, but that's because you're looking at it from in An hindsight. outsiders. No, from hindsight. Like, we, you don't automatically, I, I, it was a very different time then. Like, you didn't think about it. You didn't think. There but then how would of... he know that you had it unless he well, knew Well, because we he... were having unprotected... Well, I hate that word. We were having condomless sex. So then obviously as he was... Oh, get, sorry. Got his... Can I just ask why it is that... I've never heard somebody... Neither have I. ...catch themselves on saying unprotected. Can, because... Do, I, I, yeah, yeah, Like yeah. education-wise, yeah, why, yeah. why do you hate unprotected? Uh, it's not about... So this is, again, a stigmatising word because... Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm on medication, sure. so I'm undetectable. So I so you're protected. Yeah. Okay. So I'm, you can't transmit. Yeah, I can't transmit it. Yeah. Okay. Um, so it's a, it was a new phrase for me a year and a half ago. Okay. And I was like, oh great, okay, that's a really interesting turn of phrase to go. Actually, condomless. Sure. Because you are protected, and which is also why throughout the documentary my thought processes and stuff. I'd never put my ex... But you weren't on medication at the time, no, though, I because was. you were... Ne it's, it's, uh, there's a kind of crossover right now, but with the... Uh, sorry, I'm jumping around left, right and centre. Yeah, I'm so, confused. So the medication you are on is mm -hmm. protection enough, which yeah. you, rightly so, as you say. Um, so it's not unprotected. Yeah. It's really... In, I've never, ever heard that yeah, but, before. Yeah, but this is when he was diagnosed. So he obviously wasn't on medication so because he hadn't been diagnosed. When you, when this, when you so when I... So when I... Uh, when I got the text message from the guy that I'd been dating, we that um, situation broke down. We didn't have contact for months. And then I got the text out of the blue um, because back then you had to wait for it. it the, the window was three months. 
So, what? well, it was, and was then it you actually, I think it was a little bit shorter, but then if you're like, That's if you ridiculous. get, so I got that text wow. message, and I was like, no, I knew we were both positive before, he's probably doing it for whatever reason, fine. And then it kind of niggles away at you and you kind of go, okay, well, maybe I should go get this. Okay, no, no, I'm fine. But wait, you just said that you knew that you were both positive before. No, I think, so that, was, I think that was a slip. I think he means negative before. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. But did I say positive? Yeah, you said positive before. Don't worry, I we, knew what you right. meant. But yeah, we should clarify that you were... We were both, yeah. We you, were were both are, you were both under the understanding that you were negative when yeah. you had condomless sex. Yes. I get it. Okay. okay. Um, a slip and also... Okay. We, we um we never had that kind of talk when you start spending a lot of time with someone um that you know what 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 is this are we mm-hmm. are we uh, an item are we doing this yeah. so we never had that so and also when you get that diagnosis so i waited uh, for the window and also you know that denial comes and kicks in especially back then i was like nah i'm fine i i, I don't feel ill Mm-hmm. I'm fine. I didn't have any flu symptoms. I was like, nah, I'm fine. And I was a, I'm a dancer. I was living my best life. I was like, nah, I'm fine. Whereas what they, what they, um, it's not often told that actually not everybody is called seroconversion. Because they break out, right? Uh, yeah. Because a friend of mine was diagnosed positive a couple of years ago and I was with him through the whole procedure. And it was not procedure, the whole um, sort of process. Experience, yeah. The experience. And um, it was the same month that he broke out that Ebola was, was, Ebola was a massive concern. And he got put in the tropical uh, virus wing of King's College Hospital because they thought that his HIV breakout was Ebola because he was displaying the same symptoms as Ebola when it actually his body was adjusting to now being HIV positive. Mm-hmm. But not everybody experiences... Seroconversion doesn't always right? happen because I, I didn't seroconvert. So seroconversion is where your body is adjusting what well, you now have acquired HIV. Wow. Um, so your body is trying to fight off um, the virus that is... And you display symptoms of sickness. Uh, yeah, so flu-like symptoms. And okay. you don't get them all... Some people don't get them all. Metal, yeah. Some people get... I've heard some horrendous stories. Really? Yeah. Um, It can really affect different people. I'm quite um, resilient in a sense. I'm just, I'm quite like, no, I'm fine. An ex of mine used to say I was like a British bulldog because I'm I'm generally quite hot and sweaty and I'm never really sick. Stunning. Which is <laughs> the opposite. Which is the opposite of a British the opposite bulldog. Of Prince Andrew, for that's for sure. <laughs> oh, controversial. Um, Welcome to the show. <laughs> so yeah, it's um we used to have a, a laugh and a joke because I didn't take medication because back twelve years ago there weren't that many meds around. So and there was no concept or there was no thought processes of going okay well if where's medication i don't think there ever is like where is this medication going to go yeah what are people's options so the thought process was keep costs down if he's taken these three medications so was was it still the cocktail at that point well they're all they're they're all technically a cocktail Mm -hmm. so it's they're not azt which Mm -hmm. is what everyone thinks about when they think about um the epidemic sure um because they, they were on like 22 pills a day at some point, right? Even more. Yeah. Like, so 
uh, when the HIV virus came onto the scene, per se, uh, the governments were going, well, how do we control this? The gays have got this thing. Mm. It's spreading really quickly. Mm. Um, how can we control it? So they had this drug, which was a cancer drug, um, that they shelved. They put it on a shelf because it was too aggressive. It killed, so AZT kills everything in your body. Like, it absolutely was super toxic. And HIV came around and they were like, okay, well, let's, how do we control this thing? We control it. If you tell people that if you do a certain thing, you will die pretty soon and a horrible, horrible death, then it kind of rains people's way of living in. And then you have the... Am I right in thinking as well is that that medication was so expensive that very few people were able to actually afford it regularly? Oh, I don't know. I don't know about the cost of the ACT. It it wasn't NHS provided. Oh, God. Not at the time. No. No. Like like you say, it was a cancer drug. So, And it was shelved. It wasn't even an in use. It was like, this is the most aggressive pill made. Mm -hmm. It's no good for people. Sure. And then homosexuality back in the early 80s, 90s, we were deemed less than, we were deemed worse than second-class citizens. Um, We were deemed against God, and, you know, that's the way it was. So it it was initially thought that it was a gay disease, and, you know, there was the, you should see the, the press around that time was just horrendous. Um, I kind of just, I want to come back to this thing. Have you spoken to the guy who sent you that text message? Yeah. You have? Yeah. Recently? Uh, yeah. But what, yeah, yeah. I just, the wording of that message to me. It makes my stomach drop. Yeah. yeah. But you know what? Because to me, it sounds like a purpose. But it wasn't about, act. but it wasn't. It like, wasn't? No. And also it wasn't about him either. It's about me. I'm like, okay, you, you're de- obviously dealing with you. How the fuck do I deal with this? It was so not about him. This was about me and my life. What the fuck is going on with my life? My sister has a, had a kid at the time, and I was like, I'm never going to fucking see this kid grow old. Yeah. I'm not going to see it him go through school. It was the fact that he'd told you that you had it before you'd even been for a test. I mean, talk about shake someone up, you but know? I mean, but then point, I had the choice to, how educated, to have that kind of sex How educated could he have been? Yeah, exactly. Because, that is the be, thing. Because 12, okay, 12 right, years I get, ago. I get what you're saying, but it's 2007. It's not 1987. But mm. it's... Well, do you know what? We weren't... But how, how advanced were we in 2007, Han? Well, there was Pep. Pep was around in Pep 2007. Just Pep just started. Okay. But, how, but, but we, this it is wasn't one a, person who he met who may not have been as educated. Like, I've got... But we uh, weren't. We, so I'm, I'm not jumping down his so I No, think, no, no, I at think all. it was naivety rather than... Anything. It was... It, yeah. it, it, it was total yeah, naivety. I, yeah, naivety, and, yeah. And also a kind of... Maybe a, a reaching out, like, well... I remember when I got... I remember thinking... I was like, fuck. And then I bumped into him a few years later, actually down St Anne's... Is it St Anne's Court? Uh, I bumped into him there and... I... I didn't let him know that, yeah, I actually did go get tested and I was positive. We've spoken about it and mm. like this, there was no malice in it. And absolutely do I not blame it. You have a choice. Like, this is another thing like that I'm super hot on now. It's like uh, about people taking the responsibility for their own sexual health. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Like, this How is your mean? body. Yeah. No one made me have condomless sex with him. No, of course. I did it because I liked it. 
and we were fucking a lot. So I have to take responsibility for that. It takes two to tango. Yeah, I cannot blame him for that. A, it was a different time, and also B, grow the fuck up. I have. I okay, so can I ask you, uh, when it comes to older men who are positive having sex with younger men mm-hmm. who are potentially more naive mm-hmm. and having condomless sex with them, for example, if there's an older man who's positive and he's having sex with uh, a younger guy who's more naive mm-hmm. and he passes HIV onto that younger mm-hmm. guy, mm-hmm. I understand that everyone should take responsibility for their own sexual actions, but when you're 18, 19, there's no denying that you are more naive than someone who's older and someone who's lived a more knowledgeable life. Mm -hmm. So with regards to blame and stuff there... But what does blame do for someone? Blame, it, it, bas- it basically gives you an out for the Passive guilt. Passive responsibility. Yeah, because I'm then the victim because therefore I had this, this done to a, me. This is the thing that that's what I picked up on in, in your story is to not overly vilify the person that, that transmitted it to you simply because of his wording in the message he sent. Because let's be honest, if he's just been diagnosed with it too... He was probably shitting yeah. himself. Yeah. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people that already have it, know they have it. Intentionally infecting sure. people. No, I'm not even talking about that. I'm just talking about older guys who don't necessarily take the responsibility of making sure they wear a condom with boys who are younger and who are more naive. I think that's quite a, na- uh, quite a niche situation. Uh, well, not no, really. it's not. It's not. But learn by our mistakes. Like, if you do everything right, as they say, then you ain't going to learn nothing. But I just think, where's the... Take responsibility as an older man of the gay community. Should you not have the responsibility to protect people who are younger than you, who are potentially more naive? So you have to take responsibility for your own sexual health. Go get tested. Every If you are sexually active, even once, I just had this conversation with my nephew, uh, two nephews, in fact. One's 17, one's 14. Uh, the 17-year-old has a girlfriend. I was like, well, have you been tested? He was like, what do you mean tested? I was like, I'm going to punch you in the dick. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay, so you need to go get tested. This is what it does. This is blah, blah, blah. I'm like, go get tested. I am sexually... A- Not at the minute, because I'm tired. Um, but <laughs> you, I... I, 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 I and again, so words like, oh, he's promiscuous, or that sense of, in the early days, it was deemed that the promiscuous gays got it because they're that. they're putting it around, too. so therefore therefore they deserve it. I don't deserve anything because I have a high sex drive, not or not even a high sex not drive. I have a healthy sexual appetite. There's no decision that you can make that makes you deserving of something. It exactly. Makes me so sad when I hear mm-hmm. that. Lot, and it's that like language. agreed. So m- a huge thing that I'm doing right now is about okay, well, own your own sexual health for one, but also just because I like sex doesn't make me any less of a person or less loving or less caring than you because you're adhering to a thought process or a way of control mm-hmm. that has been going on for many, many, it's many, also many, a, many a years. heteronormative um, thought process of we must, it must be one person and one person. I honestly still feel, don't don't feel like this answers the question that I'm asking. But, <laughs> but you're, it's, it's an associating like blame. Yeah, to, I feel, I it's like, like you're pushing true. the blame to older men where not, actually, not that I'm not that I'm pushing the blame because obviously younger people should definitely take some element of the responsibility it's but, your, well it's your life that's like saying um but it's well, hard uh, for them to take responsibility when they're not educated no. well then where does that education fall to 
you know, does it fall to the parents, which is why the parents are get, going off at the fact that we're, you know, then teaching gay relationships in school. It's like, it, where yeah, does that... the blame does go with the parents as well. The parents but this is what I'm saying. It's like, <laughs> as soon as the you... parent knows the child's gay, they should educate themselves. <laughs> yeah, but we're all, we all I have very idealistic sweethearts. We have very, um, we have unconscious biases we that do, yeah. shape our very existence. Um, and that's something actually that, I came in contact with over the past few years with um, the talk around trans and pronouns was that the people that were somewhat aggressive with people were not coming across well because if you come mm. across if you automatically associate a negative negative emotion with something you're not going to get the best out of someone whereas okay, if you yeah. say okay well you think this because of this you open up the go oh I didn't even realise that I, yeah, it, you know I mean? it's actually a conversation that I've been having a lot recently. Um, not even pronouns, because it's not specific pronouns. Mm. You know about this, because I've posted my close friends. Um, <laughs> that, that I, I've been going through something with somebody that I work with recently, where um, it's a new colleague of mine mm -hmm. who has persisted in calling me mate since the day <laughs> oh he my started. God. Right. But it has irked me since mm -hmm. day one and to the point where every day I addressed it in a different way hey can you just not call Sorry. me that or like oh my god can you stop calling me that address it in every single way to the point where it escalated and escalated and right. escalated yeah I think um, like we were saying earlier I think if you can come to if you come from a place of genuine um a want to learn mm -hmm. and not a place of malice then i say there are no stupid questions um because if you're wanting to if you're asking those questions because you want to kind of understand more then it's coming from a place okay. of actual under you know yearning to want to understand yeah. I, so i left um the law firm that i worked at um to go work for positive east um and they are a media law firm laws generally you know upper class white very you know male oriented but i worked at that company for three and a half years and i became such a part of that company that i implemented change change within their culture when i became a mr gay they were 100 percent behind me mm -hmm. they now have an lgbt forum and they've uh, actively Are you gone out with Dan daniel winterfeld Yes, I know Daniel. Yeah. Because Daniel used to... Uh, Brilliant. So yeah. can I ask you a question? Do you think that other people who are HIV positive, do you think they have almost like a duty to no. be as outspoken as you? Oh, God, or no. No? No. Okay. So, so there's there's very much a uh, generational divide somewhat of in regards to HIV, like we were saying earlier, um, because the older gener some older generation... Um, like absolutely not i will always use condoms you can't because it's very it's very um triggering because they've they've seen friends die friends die friends and friends yeah. and friends mm -hmm. and like their entire community die yeah um and then now everyone's becoming a bit more um it's no longer the death sentence people are taking the the advancements in medication are incredible people are taking responsibility for their own stake in the world um you you can only look after really mm. your own health. Yeah. You you choose what you put in your body. It's like drugs, alcohol, all these things. You choose to do these things. Sure. Okay. No one forced me to have condomless sex. I did it because 
this is also a stigmatizing thing from a lot of heterosexual people that like uh well uh, mainly online i have to say actually it's like well you deserve it because you had you didn't wrap up I'm like well okay so you're you're punishing me with a lifelong chronic illness um because i'm having the kind of sex that you feel entitled to have Absolutely. regularly yeah. with very many people um it's 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 a way of um shaming and controlling people sure and i don't have any of it but it it takes people to go do one yeah absolutely. absolutely for them people you you hear it in the media all the time like you know you have to have people that there with the they've got the broad shoulders the thick skins and then do you know what okay well let's have a conversation yeah uh somebody somebody um last year had a go at me on twitter because um i'm always talking about hiv I was like, yeah, of course I am. <laughs> Hi. He was like, but you've got a duty uh, yeah, for that's... other gay issues. I was like, well, I don't actually. Yeah. This, this is, is my this state. This is what I can talk about. Um, but if you if you feel that way, I'd love to have a chat with you and let's not clog up everyone's uh, stream. Let's have a chat. They never have a chat. Can I ask you how you feel? Um, because HIV conversations are taking a really... I mean, I mean, it's amazing, but they're taking a really new turn recently because there are stories being published about cures. And oh, but they've always been around. Oh, really? Yeah. So it's not something that you're feeling is like revolutionising HIV care is at the moment. Because I so, feel so like recently I've seen loads of stories about women. I have, We're yeah. getting very close. I oh, have. They, yeah. they've, they, they all, so this is the thing. There'll always be that. I remember... If, God knows how many years ago, um, but there was uh, an idea that uh, bee bee venom, or the you know the the sting in a bee's tail was the way to cure HIV. Really? You know, um, le- leukemia treatment was going to cure HIV. It's like okay, well the thing that's working is taking your medication, taking it regularly, adhering yeah. to your medication, um, will allow you to live a near normal life expectancy. Sure. You know. I go get. Is, tef- is there any change on life expectancy? I didn't think there is was. It liver liver function because of the med- so. Um, oh, so I basically, didn't know so, that so I'm putting medication in my body. So if you're putting something in your body regularly, it's going to have effects on your mm-hmm. body in the long term. So I was taking for quite a few years uh, a very aggressive some would say aggressive um, medication called a tripler, mm-hmm. um, which had an ingredient in it called efavirenz. And efavirenz can um, be quite problematic for some people. For me, it, I was fine. Like I took them for years, had no problems. And then a few, uh, I went through a phase and I was getting, I can fall asleep anywhere. Like I told you on the way here, I mm-hmm. fell asleep. Like if I sit down, I'm like, oh. um, so I had insomnia, I had blackouts, I had mood swings. I thought I was, I literally thought I was going And this going was related to your medication? Because I was having long-term side effects. But if you take if you take aspirin every day, if you take anything every day for they the rest of your life. They say that if you take an antihistamine every day for 20 years, it'll bring on Alzheimer's. Like things do have a because long-term you, effect. Yeah. Wow. I feel like I'm learning a lot today. Yeah. It's just about, you know, and it, it understanding because medication it's not tailor-made to your body like sure, how alcohol sure. affects you won't affect, me. affect I mean, yeah it's all very sure. it's, and you know alcohol in general wouldn't yeah, be yeah it turns um, Anthony into a slut and me into a professor <laughs> <laughs> I think I I've seen that got video. Them mixed up <laughs> 
<laughs> I really think you got the wrong way around. I think I've seen that video either way, to be fair. <laughs> also, can we do a, a fag and yarn before we go? Because I really want to like do a oh question. God, absolutely. Yeah, let's do and it. also, I feel like you would be a great person to speak on this question. The fag and the aunt question. Let's do the fag and the aunt. Fag and the aunt. Oh my God. Tom Scanlon was literally doing jingles for us all episode, the last one we did. Oh my God, did. we should yeah. keep them. I'll keep them recording, we just slot them in every one. You would love that. Okay, so this person has written, um, I've been positive since I was 19 and I'm now 27, but I haven't reached the point of having unprotected sex with any of my potential boyfriends. At what point should I tell them? On the first day or not until later? And I know that you have experience with Both, yeah. being uh, rejected f by non-disclosure, which is in the documentary. Yeah, so it's, um, so legally in the UK, you are not required to tell anyone uh, if you're on medication. Um, it's the law is changing um, and it's by case by case stance um, in regards to that. But you are not legally, if you're undetectable, you are at no risk to pass HIV to anyone. So that in itself, do the research and um, understand what it is. Reach out, you know, hit me up on uh, Twitter. I can uh, point you in directions. That. Literally, I've helped so many people, even on Grinder. Like, I've people have messaged me and gone, Oh, I see you're positive. Can I just, I don't know how to ask you. I was like, Mate, ask me. You can't, it's fine. Do you sometimes feel like the fact that you, you can't just relax, though. Um, so me and because, my best, that's a good question, I, honestly. Because I, because I knew you as a person <laughs> yeah. for so long before I yeah. knew you as the HIV yeah. advocate, yeah. Phil, you know, like. Mm. Do you, do you, and 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 I relate to you in a visceral way um, because sometimes I feel like I can't do anything without people asking me about trans yeah. stuff, and I mean you must feel like that because look, you mentioned their grinder, um, your dating life is is relatable to mine in the fact that it's solely deemed by the fact yeah. that you are HIV positive. I'm trans, yeah. and I and I look at it in a comparable way. I remember the the friend that I mentioned earlier, the the, the one who got put on the Ebola wing, God bless his heart. Um, and 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 he looked at me and he went, "Yeah, but girl, we're the same, you know, because we've both got things we didn't choose, and we're both just dealing with it." Mm. And um, and I and I, I think that's why I'm so compassionate with it. But do do you not feel like you just can't relax? So it's it's re it's a really funny thing because obviously I entered the competition of going HIV doesn't define you, mm -hmm. um, and then I took a position at a HIV charity, and now all I talk about is HIV. Sure. And it is literally my waking every moment, and because I feel like because I've got such a big gob and because I'm I've been I've gone through I I have had a very varied life that has give me a lot a very s special set of skills mm -hmm. um so i feel like i do have a responsibility but also i'm of an age now like i'm 38 in may so it's like okay well i'm also of an age where you know your view on life changes yeah um i am a little bit conscious about the fact that am i have i lost that fun that fun aspect of myself. Oh, um, you can be an activist and still be fun. But I yeah. feel like that's a bit external to you because you are fun, 
by nature. Yeah. But you are demanded to be this like fucking warrior of HIV, you know. But then there's, but then how much? Like I'm, I'm the worst. Like I've really suffered with my mental health this year, actually, and um, my best friends have really been kicking my ass recently, and I'm, I'm just coming. I'm not coming out at the end of it at all. That's lies. Um, but I've because of the way I grew up and because of the things I've been through, I thought, you know, I'm like Teflon, nothing fucking stick to me. I'm fine. Sure. I'm a strong bitch, you know, but I don't reach out when I'm hurting or I don't mm. reach out when I'm dealing with things because I, you know, there is that internalized stigma. Because, and again, because as a, a male, you're not allowed to be um, vulnerable. You're not allowed to cry. You're not allowed to, all, the, all this bullshit that you are subconsciously subjected to, um, you then become that face. And it took me, it always takes me to just about coming through a situation when I'm ready to reach out and go, okay, well, you need to stop doing this now. Sure. You can now talk to your friends and go, okay, well, I've been doing this for a little while. Like, it's a lot easier to talk about when it's in the past, isn't it? But it's not even in the past. It's like, I'm almost out. Yeah. So it's like, when you're in the midst of it, like I'd never dealt with um, really depression in such a big way or... Um, there's a great um, picture or a meme of what depression is. And I showed it to my best friends the other week. Where they literally did an intervention and came over and we did face masks. And they were like, right, we got wine. We're going to, like, you're not staying in on your own. You're not going to... Because, you know, you do have this... You have this persona of, like, yeah, I don't have all the answers. Mm -hmm. I'm a very flawed individual. But that's also that's also the... The joy in a the documentary, the joy in me as a person, as you as a person, as you yeah. as a person. It's the fact that we it, fuck up. Yeah, I think it's really important. I um I see people in various different ways, whether it be HIV campaigning, trans, or whatever it is. They try and embody and become Perfection. the voice mm. of a community. Ugh. Whereas I think that it's really important to recognize that you're not the voice of a community. You're just a voice of a community sure you're a, you're a singular opinion that is solely solely deemed by what you've been through. yeah your lived experience and Absolutely, also yeah. and also it's like you are flawed we are all deeply flawed and when you try and be perfect that's when it all falls to shit mm -hmm. because you can never live up to perfect perfection does not exist so what would you say to this person i would say um reach out don't deal with things on your own uh, you can you can but with regards to telling their partner how soon do you tell someone that you hate it's positive? where, are you, obviously in, where you... are you in your journey like i've been through a relationship where i waited three months at the time it was three months mm -hmm. right. and then they went oh well you've lied to me you've kept this part of me but in my aspect i was like well i wanted you to love me for me yeah so, so whereas now it's on all my profiles and for you as well you you weren't having um you weren't having condomless sex with the, yeah, your no. partner. Uh, with a couple of partners, I wasn't. We weren't even having intercourse. We were just like playing around. We, there was mm -hmm. never intercourse, so right, okay. there was you know, minimal exposure risk anyway. I think this is a thing for people who feel like who have just discovered that they're yeah. positive. Like it's a whole thing about if I start dating someone, like when do I tell them? Do I tell them on the first yeah, date? Do you're on a journey, and also le so legally, every country is different in your legal rights. In the UK, you're not legally required to tell anyone. It's about, a, I say it's a moral aspect um, because of my experience, again. Um, whereas if you speak to someone that I work with, they don't see any moral issue in it at all because 
why should I have to tell you why, you know, if I've got diabetes, do I have to tell you that? Well, no, because right, actually okay, this yeah. is a, you know, it took me away from my family for such a very long time because I was keeping this very big part of my life away from them. We're all on this journey with HIV at very different points. No one's got it sussed because it's all, no one's got life sussed. So it's familiar there's with no, yourself. There's no concrete answer, no, basically. Oh my God, no. It's where you. are you at now? It's Actually, you and your journey. You, you as a person. Yeah. Where are you at now in terms of you navigating the dating? Because you're single, right? No, yeah, you gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's fine. Mm, um, <laughs> um, where you as a single gay man right now, <laughs> <laughs> Where are you at in terms of the navigation of when you openly say, just so you know, I'm HIV positive? Um, so after, so in the documentary, that's addressed in the fact that um, I was dating a guy and a very malicious person um, yeah. who was very prevalent actually on the scene and did a lot. Um, is it something so that we all kind of yeah, know? I would have thought so. Yeah, you will do. I bet it is. Yeah, I'll, I'll edit it out. <laughs> no, oh my God, yeah, just say it because we can, we can beep it. Go uh, on, one, two, three. Oh shit! Yeah, <laughs> I know who that is. Yeah, you used to work at. I don't. Yeah, but your yeah, reaction yeah. is. <laughs> oh, what a gross little queen! Beyond gross, beyond yeah. gross. So he actually gross little queen. Actively is went. He? Uh, yeah. Is actively he? Yeah, okay. went after. Um, would try and break people up in the in, within the community Why that were in I'm, I'm actually speed capping. He, to he show would you who follow. Uh, he would follow people that I'd be chatting to um, at Shadow, then go, oh, just, you know, he's got AIDS. What the fuck? Um, he what would the fuck? He would he, but then he would hit me up on Grind and be like, I want to fuck you really hard. What the fuck? Yeah. What the fuck? Him. You might remember him. He was like the scene queen back in the day. Yeah. Thanks for that, by the way. Yeah. I mean, I he can He can see, though. Mm. I mean, I no, as in back in the day, bitch. Back in the day, like I mean, no one now. Like, like, <laughs> oh my god, I love that you've got a massive I mean, rainbow family. <laughs> I mean, I have to be honest. Scene queen, Basic. darling. I was there, and even I don't know her. Basic. So, yeah, <laughs> but I do recognise the face the or the picture. She has got a double-barreled name now, and though, so, well, so just, that means oh, that she's found someone to I latch onto. I don't understand <laughs> why you would need to go. Hacking away at someone's reputation no. when you've already done because so much damage to your eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you getting the same. Brilliant. <laughs> oh my God, getting the same. That's we need to bring you. it back. I, you know I use that all the time. Ah, getting the same. Oh my God, okay, let's bring it back. So with this person, um, reach out to... Um, uh, organisations. And so, family. Like you said, so, you were really surprised and... Your I family was. positive. Yeah, but not everyone has not that. Everyone does, not right, everyone yeah. has that support. Uh -huh. Yeah. And especially as queer individuals, we tend to make our families by the people we meet. We choose them. Yes. Um, we, our, our chosen families are often the people that we turn to first. So, But, you know, tell your chosen family because sometimes it's hard for people to yeah. even tell them. And also, you know, just it's you're not you are going to live a long, happy, healthy life if you choose to. All the bullshit that comes along with anything else is because of everything else that's gone on. My God, the insecurities that we all have are not down to, you know, the fact that you, this person, is HIV positive. It's because, you know, we grew up and we stepped the wrong way at one point and, you know, our parents and all the all that rigmarole. All that other shit, yeah. Yeah, and it's like, but we're, the thing that really got me this year and 
is the fact that, yeah, I've been through a lot of shit in my life. But I've gone, oh shit, I am so painfully fucking textbook. Mm-hmm. It's like gay white male of a certain age. I'm like, shit. Yeah. Oh my and God. you require a certain amount of things. Yeah. It's like, oh my God, you. I'm so not on my own. I'm so not on my own. You are not on your own. This fucking aunt. When I register people into the charity, I'm like, I know this can feel really overwhelming, this thing that you're going through, but you're, without sounding bad, you're not special, we're all going through it, yeah. but we all isolate ourselves. You are going through shit. We are all going through shit. Let's just reach out. Go through shit together. Yeah, reach out. Reaching out is the fucking hardest thing, and I'm the worst for it, and I'm still not great. So by no means think that I've got the answer to end anything but we but we like appreciate you weighing in on, in on this thank you for especially considering oh my your god i feel like we could have spoken for another three hours yeah. like easily i but mean if none of us uh, had bladders we probably yeah. could have. oh my god i've got so much gin in my fucking <laughs> oh my god like, yeah phil thank you so much for coming thank on. you for having me like you're um, an actual angel yeah i really appreciate you weighing in on these topics especially over World AIDS Day special. Um, yeah, thank you for coming for World AIDS Day special. And um, how can we find you on all the social media networks? Oh, please don't say it involves your last name. <laughs> <laughs> it actually does. So face- oh, no. Fa- Facebook- okay, go on. Facebook does. So Philip Anthony Dzwonkovic. That's D-Z-W-O-N-K-I-E-W-I-C-Z. Wow. Um, on Insta, I think That was like a conundrum on Countdown. Wow. <laughs> okay. Um, that's actually how my nan's I tell you what, let's me. simplify this. Anyone that wants to find Phil can go <laughs> onto our Instagram <laughs> and we're going to post a picture with Phil. We will after post we a picture um, with Phil. He's really fit. No, no. Um, <laughs> and then you can um, you can find him from there because he's got a name that, that definitely sounds like we dropped the bag of Scrabble letters on the floor. <laughs> it's true. It's all, the, it's all the constants. It's great. <laughs> did you make that up? No. Yeah, yeah, I did, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're definitely going to post a picture of Phil before the episode comes out um, and also afterwards and there'll be clips. He'll be tagged in Tell all of those stuff. We love you so much. And we're at, I mean. at Cocktails Confessions and me and Danny would also be tagged there as well. Yeah, Anthony is Jilly Slays and I am Danny St. James and just like the park and as easy to get into. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you guys.